Test, test, test. No, it's okay. I'll grab it. I can get it. But thank you very much. Much appreciated. When you're done eating, we can start. But don't rush. We can wait. Do I play right away or later? Um, not right away. I'll run over there whenever you're ready. I'll wait till you're done eating. <laughs> you should be able to eat with your husband. That's important. Always. Not to be taken for granted. She okay? What was that? <laughs> okay, we're not running around. You need to sit. Hey, Joe. No. Absolutely not. No. Go sit. You're not doing this. You still need to behave. So as you are finishing up your dinner, you can start thinking about some of your favorite Advent hymns that you want to be able to sing over the next couple weeks. We have three midweek services together, which means three opportunities to select a hymn that you may not otherwise sing. Um, but I would challenge you, though, instead of jumping ahead to other hymns, stick to the ones that are between 331 and 357. In part because we're not in Christmas yet. We have to prepare for Christmas. This is Advent. So let's stick with Advent hymns.
So we will start here in just a minute. We begin. You can follow along with the service tonight as it is printed in the bulletins. Our format will be consistent over the next couple weeks. The only thing that you will see noticeable changes in are the readings. We begin this Advent season, this time of worship, and recall our baptismal grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To the Father, King of Peace. To the Son, who comes humbly as the King of Glory and Prince of Peace. To the Holy Spirit, who calls, gathers, enlightens, and gives to us the gift of faith to welcome our King. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, Savior and King, the true light who comes into this world, bless us as we light this candle in the beginning of our preparation for your coming. Enter our hearts and minds with the light of your love that we may welcome and receive you with joy as our true and eternal King and the true reason we celebrate this season. Amen. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Do we have a volunteer to suggest a first hymn? Okay, Josephine. Okay, which number is that? Three, four, three, four, three. Three forty-three. Let's see here. Three forty-three. Let's do. The first verse and the third verse. Glory, or told 
sacred story Man, I am the king Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted, O ancient doors. Who is this King of glory? Hosanna to the Son of David. Our first reading this evening comes from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of St. John in the 12th chapter. 
And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has given himself, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. O Lord, have mercy on us. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. Do we have another Advent hymn? 342. I like it. 342. We'll sing all four verses. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, as we begin this Advent season, we thank you for giving us a true reason to celebrate this season. And Lord, we would ask that as we dig deep into your word, that you would break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen.
Most of the time when we begin the Advent season, we turn to readings such as that from Isaiah that talk about wonderful counselor and king of kings and prince of peace, and we begin to laud the kingship of the coming Christ. However, this season is a little bit different because as we begin, we go all the way back to where the story starts in Eden. And we have to do this with intentionality because when we discuss the reason for the season, we can't just gloss over the parts that hurt, the parts that make us look bad, that allow us to see shame. But it begs the question, of why do we fight so hard to reclaim Christmas from the idea of season's greetings and happy holidays? Why is the reason more important than the season? And ultimately, what is the reason for the season? We get so wrapped up in the season of Christmas that we like to race right through Advent. We skip over this whole part of being prepared. We forget that Advent means coming. And so we actually trip over ourselves trying to get there. We are setting up our Christmas lights and making sure our tree's in order. We're doing the Christmas shopping, and all of that is fine and well. As long as it does not overshadow the reason for why we celebrate in the first place. Without this time of preparation during Advent, we find ourselves unready for the actual arrival of Christmas. We are called upon to anticipate and to consider and contemplate the coming of our once and future King. Jesus goes to great length to speak to this throughout the Gospels. Parable after parable speaks to how we are to be prepared. Whether we're talking about the parable of the rich fool that we just read a few Sundays ago, the parable of the foolish virgins, the parable of the tenants who, when the master sends to collect what is due, the tenants beat one after another, and then when he sends his son, they kill him. The parable of the wise and the foolish builders, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Time and time again, there is this clear and definitive sense of being prepared. This isn't a new concept. Even in Jesus' day, they were looking for a king. 
to the point that even Herod himself recognizes the legitimacy of these prophecies. So much so that he actually orders the death of all male infants under the age of two in the entirety of Bethlehem. All because God called his people to be ready time and time again throughout the Old Testament. There are lots of reasons to celebrate at Christmas. Whether it's the opportunity to gather together as family, whether it is the celebration of generosity, whether it is even something as basic as the food that is set before us. There is only one reason that truly matters. The whole of your salvation and hope beyond death lays in the hands of Jesus. And without Jesus, every passage of judgment falls against the people of God. Or to say it differently, we get exactly what we deserve, and creation spends an eternity separated from its creator. Death wins. Sin reigns over us, and the devil claims the victory. In short, the only reason that we have anything to celebrate during this season is because of Jesus Christ. As God places Adam and Eve into the garden, he gives them a very clear and simple instruction. You may eat of anything in the garden except for this one tree of knowledge of good and evil, lest you eat it, for in that day you shall surely die. The warning and the command were both clear. Don't eat this or you will die. Yet the forbidden fruit becomes too tempting to resist. And before the fruit ever touches the lips of Adam and Eve, the words of God have already begun to be twisted. The serpent says, did God really say? And Eve injects the words into God's command and says, Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And meanwhile, Adam, who is obviously present because he receives the fruit, sits complicitly silent and watches this whole thing transpire and does nothing. To stop it. The relationship between created and creator was already in the midst of breaking down. And yet the risk of promised death outweighed the reason 
for being obedient. And thus rebellion begins in Eden. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And thus the stage is set for our trial and judgment and the the promise of our redemption. See, if the story ends here, we have no good reason to celebrate anything joyful at Christmas. And the only preparation that we actually would do is to die. But because of Christ, when we prepare, we do so with joy and with hope and with the promise of redemption. As God hands out the curses to the serpent and to Adam and to Eve, he tells the serpent very clearly that he will place enmity between his offspring and that of Eve, and that this offspring shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. But even after just a few generations past Adam and Eve, this wickedness of mankind had again distanced God so far that he failed to recognize us anymore. And were it not for faithful Noah and his family, When God's deciding to hit the reset button on the entirety of mankind, but even this, even in the flood is an extreme act of mercy compared to spending an eternity in the absence of God. As God gives John this revelation of what the new heaven and the new earth will look like, and he shows them this city of heaven. He says in Revelation 21 that this city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will also be no night there. And that nothing unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our only reason for the season is found in the hope that we can have by God's grace in Christ. Rather than condemn us 
and casting us out into the utter darkness, God intimately binds himself even closer to us by wrapping himself in the fullness of our flesh, fully God, fully man. And the reason that we get to celebrate during the Christmas season is because God is faithful to his word and he keeps his promises. And because he keeps his Christmas promises and the coming of this Messiah and King, we can trust with full confidence and hope that when he makes the promises of the resurrection that we can trust in those too. As we begin this Advent season and we step forward from knowing where we come from and what we deserve and where it looks dark and bleak and hopeless and we begin to step into that light of Christmas that this Advent tide may prepare you for the only reason for this Christmas season. May these weeks looking forward to Christmas call you to a readiness as we await the coming of our King. And may we do so in the bold confidence and hope that as we celebrate, that we do so because God keeps the promises and provides us a way back to him. So that God always gets the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. Our worship continues, but let's sing one more Advent hymn before we jump into our prayers. Griffin. Let's see. Three, four, nine. We'll sing the first verse and the fourth verse. Don't be shy with these either.
pray. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For all pastors in Christ, for all servants of the church, and for all the people, let us pray to the Lord. For all public servants, for the government and those who protect us, that they may be upheld and strengthened in every good deed. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection in this and every place. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who bring offerings, those who do good works in this congregation, those who toil, those who sing, and all the people here present who await from the Lord great and abundant mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For favorable weather, for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, and for peaceful times, let us pray to the Lord. For our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and need, let us pray to the Lord. Lord O oh God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting in his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors. Who is this King of glory? As our Savior and King still comes to his people, let us go forth in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We have another hymn. Okay, Audrey. Which number? Three, five, six. Three, fifty-six. 
Let's sing verses 1, 2, and 4. Part in peace to serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys sticking around for confirmation? Junior high discipleship? 
Oh, why are you getting into that? I don't think mom would have given you permission for that. You go ask mom. I think the answer is no. Thank you, Gannon. Get your arms full. She's okay. What's going on, dude? Not all the Lutherans are. Uh, See, I, I grew up in Baptist church. I just right. signed on because of the misses. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, signed on. That, <laughs> but, uh, signed up for there's, that, there's that one hymn there for him and I saw and said, The Baptist say, and all I could think of myself was, the, must, the sermon must be at least 90 minutes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, none of the hymns are the same, so I'm just looking at them like, Ah, that's, oh, that's okay. On. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just just here, for, uh, here for moral support, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, I wouldn't be well, here, obviously, but I just have to Yeah, I'm glad you're here. On. Okay. But thankfully, Nikki is to the rescue. She's like, yeah, just join us. I think God. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. You I don't know, know like, what I'm doing. have like their own thing. And is the batch open? Carleen gets my girls mixed up all the time. She gave me Audrey's it, cross. It is. It's like, unlocked. And Audrey's particular. Like, no, that's mine. Kelsey can't have that. <laughs> I need to switch. It's unlocked. <laughs> Really, like, that's what church should be. How are you? Good. You? Hang in there. Okay. And, and don't do anything. So, anyways. Yeah, no, we really enjoy coming to church. We just don't ever, on Sundays, it's so hard to work and stuff, so we usually never make it. So we're like, well, we might as well, you know, make an effort. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. What's that? Allison. What? <laughs> so just in case you guys thought my life was getting better, any better today, I was leaving Fred Meyer after buying all new groceries and a, and a TV and I slipped in the parking lot and landed somewhere to pee my pants. And she said it looked like that. <laughs> And I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah, large emotional and ego bruises because I literally saw my feet above my head. Oh, yep, definitely out of how are you? Don't let him throw my plate away, Joe. You got a plate? I made a, well, somebody made a plate for me. Thank what? You. Right there. Hey, Penny. Go throw that plate away now. Thank you, Dave. Good job. Thank you. I'll get it. Oh, that one? That one is on the circuit breaker. Most highly favored lady. Oh, 